You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter to you all. Uh, As Roger uh, led us, as Angela led us, and I'll do it again, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes, amen. Hey, it's so good to see you this morning and to join with billions of Christians around the world. This is not something that we're doing just here in the isolation of 3126 Parish Road. This is something that we are joining with billions of Christians around the world to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the pivotal event that we're acknowledging today, the pivotal pivotal, uh, event of all human history. Everything changed because of what happened uh, when an empty tomb was found and a risen Savior. Uh, came forth. And so we're here to celebrate that today. And we're doing it in the context of uh, finishing up a message series that we began back at the beginning of Lent, uh, the beginning of the season to prepare our hearts and our spirits and our whole souls for uh, just this window of, of time in preparation for, for what we're celebrating today, the Easter Sunday. And we've been going through the Lord's Prayer. And before I get in, let's see, what do we have going on here, Peter? We've got a fun little mic thing happening. Should I, uh, am I good or should I use uh, the handheld? Did I, did I adjust it or is it in my pack? All right, so Roger takes care of all these great things for me. Roger, man for all seasons. Thank you, sir. He leads worship, he preaches, he does tech stuff. He's a, he's a wonder, yes, and we are thankful that he's here. So we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer in this message series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And we've been looking at all the different parts of the Lord's Prayer throughout the, the season of Lent. And every aspect of the Lord's Prayer that we've been looking at over these many weeks uh, come to full fruition as a result of the fact that there was an empty tomb and a risen Savior and Lord. The fact that we can come and we can come to God Almighty and we can come to him as our heavenly father, uh, one who draws us to come to him intimately, uh, Papa, Daddy, uh, a term that the the Jewish leaders were like, it blew their minds. They could not comprehend uh, anyone that would have this kind of intimacy or familiarity with the God of the universe, the creator of all the world. And, and worshiping him and drawing near to him, uh, our, our father, and, and inviting God's kingdom to come, uh, God's kingdom, his active rule and reign, inviting him to, to come and break into every part of our lives with his rule and reign, bringing peace, bringing joy, setting things right, coming to him every day and saying, Lord, I need these things. I need these things. And, and you invite me to come and ask for my daily bread, my daily provision, not just for myself, but also for the world around me. And that God is so responsive to, to say yes and to provide for us and to uh, maintain right relationship, maintain right relationship through repentance to God for forgiveness with one another uh, and for him to uh, keep us from evil and to deliver us from the the schemes of the enemy. All of these things 
are brought to fruition and are made possible by the fact that we have a risen Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And it's quite fitting that we would conclude this series today on the Lord's Prayer, Easter Sunday, with the, the prayer, the very ending of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, and it's this, Matthew 6, 13. And you're familiar, we've been praying this prayer throughout the whole series, and this is the concluding doxology that we're going to pray, and I'm going to switch over to the wireless mic. How's that? And this is the ending of this prayer, the doxology, the, the praise, the, the wrapping this up, the, the powerful prayer-filled, praise-filled, worship-filled conclusion of this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples then, and he teaches us as his followers today to pray. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' death, in his resurrection, he became king and he established God's rule and reign here on the earth. Uh, God uh, is king. He became king in Jesus through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. And we celebrate that today. That's what we celebrate in this Easter Sunday. And if you remember, Jesus came to earth as a baby. That's another big holiday that we celebrate called Christmas, right? He came to earth as that baby, and he encountered a kingdom of this earth, a kingdom of this world, a sinful, evil kingdom. Uh, Caesar Augustus had his own version of, of kingdom. He had his own version of power. He had his own version of glory that even an infant Jesus encountered when he first came here on earth. And that whole uh, experience of Caesar Augustus' uh, kingdom and power and glory was all about uh, violence. It was about uh, threats. It was about oppression. It was about even annihilating innocent little baby boys. That was his version of kingdom. That was his version of power. That was his version of glory. And fast forward 30 plus years, and Jesus encountered another expression of earthly sinful kingdom power and glory. Uh, of course, uh, with Pontius Pilate. And, but we see and we recognize that God is king. God in his power, God in his glory actually used Pontius Pilate's evil act to bring forth once and firmly established for all God's rule and reign here on earth, his kingdom of goodness, his kingdom of love. God took the power of this broken and evil world and he defeated it with the power of the cross. And he took the so-called glory and all the warped versions of what glory looks like in the shameful and sinful world and he outshone it with the glory of the cross. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's what we're celebrating here, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, his is the kingdom, his is the power, and his is the glory. And the cool thing about this is we wrap up this series on the Lord's Prayer and we coincide it with our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that Jesus' death and resurrection makes possible this amazing privilege of prayer that we've been looking at and we've been focusing on for the last several weeks. And it gives us ongoing access to the manifest presence of God and so uh, he's given us, his, his followers, this prayer. My question is, what are we going to do with it? 
What are we gonna do with this privilege of prayer? This has not just been a series for us to have some interesting thoughts about the different points of the Lord's Prayer, but, but brothers, sisters, men and women, this is an invitation for us to, to, to more seriously, more in a more committed fashion, really say yes to Jesus' offer to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit's offer to know him, to experience him and the fullness of his kingdom uh, in all these wonderful ways. So my, my encouragement to you today is that we would all commit to being people who faithfully uh, avail ourselves of this privilege, not only for ourselves, our world needs us praying for the world around us. Our world desperately needs us praying, not only for ourselves, not only for the people inside these four walls, uh, but for the, our community and our country and our world. And as we pray with confidence and with trust, and that's, that's why we end the prayer Yours is the kingdom, God. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. It is a reminder that we can trust in God's kingdom. We can trust in his power, and it's all for his glory, that it's God's kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's not this world's kingdom. And the things that we see come as a result of our prayer, it's not about our power. It's about his power, and it's all for his glory and his glory alone. So let's pray together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we love you. We celebrate your amazing love for us. We thank you, Jesus, for saying yes, for coming in full obedience to fulfill the Father's loving mission for us, an unlovely world, a sinful world. We thank you for saying yes. We thank you for showing us how to live. And we thank you for taking on our sin and the sin of the whole world. And we thank you that you have risen from the dead, that you have overcome death, hell, and the grave for us. And we thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now available to live and dwell in us and give resurrection life to everything in us that is dead and that is not uh, filled with life. Come Holy Spirit, come and awaken our hearts to you and your love, to your glory, your goodness, all that you are. We thank you for this celebration. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who've joined with me today here, those who are joining us online. Bring your kingdom, Lord. We pray this, Jesus, just as you taught us to. We pray it in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So again, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power and the glory forever. These final phrases of the Lord's Prayer, they've been called the doxology of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and most biblical scholars consider these words to have been absent from the original manuscripts uh, of the Bible. Uh, and so that's pretty much a, a common belief that both the version of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew as well as that in Luke, that you will not find these words there, this expression of praise. And it's actually only been in the last few centuries that yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory has been restored to the, the liturgy of the Western church as, as we know it, as we've been praying it on Sunday morning together. But most biblical scholars also agree that this doxology, yours is the power, yours is the glory, yours, uh, is, yours is the power, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. They, they acknowledge that 
Jesus would have not just ended the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray with, deliver us from evil, and then mic drop, out of here. No, he would not have done that because he uh, did not come to negate the law. He came to fulfill it, and the Jewish tradition, the Jewish uh, form of prayer uh, just doesn't line up with that. And most say that it's actually inconceivable, uh, considering the Jewish prayers of that day, that he would have just stopped the prayer that he gave his disciples to pray in that way. Uh, The doxology of the Lord's Prayer actually sounds a lot like another prayer that we find in the Old Testament, a prayer of King David in the coronation of his son Solomon. It's found in 1 Chronicles. It goes something like this. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. And it is a a right and fitting thing that we would end the prayer with praise, with worship, uh, to complete this powerful petition that Jesus gives us as a model for the prayer life that we should have. You know, Jonathan Edwards, he was an 18th century American revivalist and theologian, and he made this observation about the Lord's Prayer, the beginning and the end of it. He said, God's glory and dominion are the first two things that are actually mentioned in the prayer, and they're also the last two things that are mentioned in the same prayer in its conclusion. And he said this, God's glory is the alpha and the omega in this prayer. And that certainly is the case, God's glory. What, we, we use that word glory, but let's unpack it a little bit. What, what does it really mean? Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the, the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever. It's the, the weight of his presence, the, the heft of, of the greatness of God, his majesty, his power, his splendor, the glory that filled Solomon's temple back in the Old Testament And because of Jesus' death and resurrection, it's the honor, it's the majesty and splendor centered in God's Son that one day will fill the entire entire world, the entire earth. When I think about the glory of God and the experience of that that weight of the glory of God, I, I, I find myself thinking back about 40 years ago and a very powerful experience I had. And it was actually on Good Friday, I think it was like 39 years ago. I did the math this morning. And uh, I was in college. Uh, I was in college, and I uh, was in the music department. And my choral director said, hey, Reese, there is this uh, Lutheran church that needs a bass soloist for their Good Friday service. They're doing seven words from the cross, and they need a bass soloist. And would you like to do it? It's $50. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm a starving freshman in college, all right? You had me at $50, right? So um, now I, I got to admit, I grew up in a small town uh, in a Pentecostal church, and basically my very simplistic view of theology was that the Pentecostal churches said yes to the Holy Spirit, and all the other churches like, nah, uh, we don't need you. Uh, that was my perception. And so I went... Uh, to this Lutheran church, to the rehearsal. Everybody was nice. It was a classical piece too, guys. I mean, classical music and a Lutheran church. I mean, how spiritual could that be, right? That was at least my expectation. 
But I remember going to the rehearsal. Everybody was nice. We, we, you know, we did the rehearsal for the, the, the piece, this classical piece that we'd be doing on Good Friday. And, and then that Friday afternoon, I remember walking in this beautiful little Lutheran church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I remember walking in that church and physically experiencing like a spiritual weight, almost like a clear fog in terms of a density. And it was beautiful. It was warming. It was wonderful and so surprising and so welcoming. And like, God, this is you, your presence. Wow. And I had had a lot of experiences with the Holy Spirit prior to that, wonderful, rich experiences. But I got to tell you, I had never felt that sense of glory before, that physical weight of God's presence. And I just want to say that as I drove back to my dorm that night, I was like, God, that was so surprising. And I really sensed the Lord speaking to me, Reese, I will go and I will be with every open heart and welcoming spirit that wants me. No matter what the label, no matter what the place in life, And that has been so formative in my heart and in my own experience and in my desire just to hunger for more and more and more of God. And I just challenge you to let that be your prayer, to let that be your hunger for more of God's glory in your life, in your home, in your family, in this, let, let, us, let, that make, let us make this a prayer for Vineyard Church of Augusta that when we come together and I have, have experienced God's glory in this room in our times of, of worship and prayer and that, that we would see that as a, yes, God, thank you for that, but we want more. We need more. We cry out for more. More of you, God. And let's, let's make that our prayer. It's, it was a taste of God's glory that I experienced that evening. And as I said, there have been others. And one day God will fill the whole earth with that glory. His is the kingdom, the power and the glory. So we hope and we pray and we wait in the tension of something that Roger talked about a few weeks ago when he talked about uh, yours is the kingdom, when he talked about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We live in that tension of the already of God's kingdom come in Jesus, in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and the not yet of his kingdom that we wait until his second coming. We live in the tension of that. With Jesus' birth, with his life, with his death, with his resurrection, God's kingdom, it has come. It has come, but it is yet to come in its fullness. And so as we wait for that, we hope and we pray and we do wait for the fullness of God's kingdom to come. And this is not a new phenomenon for us. This has been something that's been going on ever since Jesus' resurrection. In fact, there's a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples after his resurrection. We find it in Acts chapter 1 when they're saying, okay, Lord, we, we, you've resurrected just like you said you would, and you have brought the kingdom. You've been preaching about the kingdom. You've been talking about the kingdom. You've been demonstrating the kingdom with healing and with miracles, and so you've resurrected from the dead, so now surely the kingdom is here, right? And their expectation was freedom 
a militaristic and a political freedom from Roman oppression. But this is the conversation that, that Jesus had with them. Again, this is after his resurrection, before he ascended to go and be with the Father. Uh, it says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him, and they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're thinking, okay, God, you know, Jesus, you, you, you came as Messiah, you came as Lord, you demonstrated the kingdom, you told us that you were going to die, and that, but you'd be resurrected, and you've done that, so where's the kingdom? Where's the fullness of the kingdom? Have you ever had that question in your own life, in your own circumstance? When we read about the miracles of healing, the miracles of provision, the miracles of breakthrough that Jesus not only just did when he was here on earth, but he has invited us and not just invited us, commissioned us to be a part of and to be engaged with. This was Jesus' response to that question, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't stalling them. He wasn't denying the ultimate fullness of his kingdom that was going to come someday, but he was directing their understanding of what this really was all about and that it wasn't necessarily all about them. Fancy that, right? He said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And Jesus was showing them that the Holy Spirit that was coming, uh, the Holy Spirit that was going to come to them was to empower them for a mission, a mission that where the spread of the kingdom would go through them and through us but it wouldn't finish the kingdom for them. And guess what? It doesn't finish the kingdom for us as well. We are empowered. We pray with confidence that the ultimate triumph of God's power and his kingdom will come in his time. And that's also what the reminder of this prayer as we prayed to our loving Heavenly Father, as we have lifted up his name and invited his kingdom, his rule and reign to invade every part of our lives. When we've asked him, Lord, uh, provide for my daily needs and, and God forgive me as I forgive others and, and protect me from, from the evil around us. As we wait for his kingdom to come, we do so trusting in his good time, trusting him to pray, to hope, and to wait when we've prayed in faith, we can rest and we can be fully confident that God, he's heard our prayers. And guess what? He is going to attend to our concerns in his good time, in his loving time, in his right time, that his purposes are not being lost. The last several weeks in our church, uh, and, and just some, some it's been personally from, from Mary Margaret and our family, uh, we've just had a lot of death. There's been a lot of death that's gone on. And, and as we've gone through this Lent, Lenten season, and as I've 
just been reflecting a lot on the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray and, and putting that thing of God, your kingdom come, Lord, bring healing, bring healing. And then we see death and we see the ultimate healing in some situations. And very honestly, in other situations, I'm not sure where the person was in terms of their relationship with the Lord. I, I, I've just been, I don't know, it's just been really heavy on my heart. God, what, do I really believe this? Do I really trust in your good timing? Do I trust in your good timing? And I do, but it's hard. It's hard to hope and it's hard to keep praying and to wait. But as we conclude this prayer, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. This is an invitation for us to trust God in his love and his goodness and his good purposes. And so Vineyard Church of Augusta, Let's not forget that, that we are called to be people of the kingdom, people of God's kingdom, ambassadors of his kingdom, doing the ministry of his kingdom, the same ministry that Jesus did when he was here on earth. He now entrusts that to us. So let's keep on praying for God's kingdom to come. Let's keep on praying for the sick. Let's keep on praying for miracles to happen. Let's keep on praying for justice to come to situations that are unjust. Let's keep doing that. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And there are so many opportunities. They're there. We just have to look for them. I uh, had a weird one a few weeks ago, one that was completely surprising. Um, I, Mary Margaret says it takes me two years to buy a new, a used car. And that's about true. I do. I, I do my research. I, I, I check out things. And, th and this market has been really crazy. I, I, I started looking last fall and I ended up finding a car in Alabama. And so I had this guy on the phone. We got everything worked out. My, uh, my, my, my nice car that I've been looking for is a nice used car and it was exactly what I wanted. Um, I'm uh, a little, I can be a little extra. I can be a little hard to, to, to please. You might find that very surprising. But um, so we're getting everything worked out and they send me over to the finance manager. It's like, oh, I'm on the phone with the finance manager. I think this is going to be, you know, uh, anyway. I'd already got everything worked out, but he had to, you know, I had all the stuff squared away here, but had to talk to him. So I get on the phone with this guy. He's nice. And then all of a sudden, he starts talking to me about just the horrible situation his wife is in physically. I'm like, where did that come from? And so he, I mean, he gives me lots of details. Um, it's like she, she's, they've just had a baby and it's like her body has not adjusted from having the baby and she's had major back issues and she keep, he keeps, keeps going on with it. And so I'm like, okay. Uh, and then he sort of goes into the, you know, the, the financial stuff and trying to sell me, sell me all the extra warranties and all of that. And it's like, okay, real world back here. So, um, and then we're finishing things up and I just felt prompted, hey, can I pray for you? I, I, I'm, I've, I'm a follower of Jesus and I have experienced God's healing in, in my life in different ways. And I would love the opportunity just to pray for you or in your wife, would that be okay? He's like, yeah, sure. And so I did over the phone. Lord, let your kingdom come. Uh, let your kingdom come to his wife. Set things right in her body. Set things right. And uh, I, I prayed. It wasn't long. It wasn't anything elaborate. It was pretty simple, very simple, straightforward. 
And uh, at the end, he's like, man, I don't know that I've ever had anybody do that before. Thank you. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think I'm going to tear up here. Yeah. And so we went to pick up the car a week or so later, and uh, that was the first thing he mentioned when I went to his office. And he said, hey, thank you so much for praying for my wife. So we finally were able to get a doctor's appointment for her. And uh, just really, really appreciate it. You know, I was hoping he'd say, hey, she's completely healed. And it's like, okay, but next step, God, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. So, so what do we do when we don't see the results that we're looking for? In other words, when we join with these disciples in Acts chapter 1, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, before his ascension, Lord, will your kingdom be coming now? in this situation, because that's basically what we're asking, whether it's healing for a chronic medical condition, uh, breakthrough for a relationship that's really tattered and it's really not in a good place. When we don't see the response that we had hoped for and prayed for, we can rest in God's promise of his Holy Spirit, and we can pray with assurance that the Holy Spirit will empower us. He comes to empower us to do God's will as we wait for the fullness of God's kingdom to come. You know, I, 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 this weekend, I, I, I share with you in my devotional reading, I read the, the, the revised um, lectionary. And this week, one of the readings was from John 13. And it was the, the story of when Jesus was, was serving uh, his disciples and he washed their feet. And it was also when he talked about Judas betraying him. And I had not noticed this. At the end of all of that section, after he washed their feet, after Judas left uh, to go and begin the betrayal or to follow up on the betrayal, in John 13, it says, now the Son of Man uh, is glorified, that Jesus said that. That's a different kind of glory, isn't it? That was a glory that was based on fulfillment of the mission that the Father had sent him here to do. It was a, a, it was a glory that was brought about by humility in serving. It was a glory that was brought about in submission to the Father's will, even though he knew what was ahead of him. Humility, obedience that marked this beautiful glory that Jesus embodied. And guess what? He's calling us to be uh, that kind of uh, example, that kind of carrier of his glory, not some sort of pompous thing that we lord over people in judgment and in criticism and condemnation, but that the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us to love the unlovable, to serve those who are difficult to serve at times, and to, to, to be people who are committed to following Jesus and doing his ministry, no matter how easy, no matter how hard it is. Yours is the kingdom, Lord. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. This is a prayer of, of mission and commission. This is what God is calling us to. This is what he is inviting us to. Jesus taught, taught us to pray this prayer. It was not about just giving us a prayer to recite. Jesus was laying out his whole mission of his life in this prayer. And it was fulfilled completely with his death and with his resurrection. And he now invites us, he commissions us, and he invites us to pray this prayer and to live it out as ambassadors of his kingdom. This is a prayer of incarnation. This is a prayer of empowerment. 
Jesus came to earth to reveal God the Father. Everything that he did pointed to God the Father. He revealed the Father as a human being. And he has now called us to carry on that same mission that we would embody uh, the same kind of representation of the love and the goodness of our Father God. And we've been anointed with the Holy Spirit to do this. As you know, uh, what happens in Acts chapter 2. And let me say, we're actually going to be doing a series that starts next week and leads through uh, Pentecost Sunday that I'm really excited about. We're going to be joining with Vineyard Churches all over the United States on this series uh, called Empowerment. And it's uh, empowered. It's a, it's a series for Pentecost. And we're going to be focusing on the work of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, just as we come together to seek more of the Holy Spirit, we are a people of God's kingdom who partner with the Holy Spirit. His empowerment is what it's all about. It's not about our power. It's not about our goodness. It's not about anything we can do. It's about what He can do. And I'm looking forward to, to that it is, uh, it's about his power. It's about his glory. And this is a, a prayer of confidence. It's a prayer of commitment. I want to ask you, Vineyard Church of Augusta, we're called to be people of prayer. It comes in all kinds of shapes, forms, and fashions. It comes in the, on the way to work, I've got two minutes, I've got five minutes. I'm not going to turn the radio on. I'm not going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to turn my phone off. And God, I'm going to give this time to you uh, as I navigate traffic. I tell people, you know, we, in our vineyard prayer model, we, we encourage praying with your eyes open when you're praying for people. I said, you know, it's the same thing you do when you're driving in your car. Hopefully, you pray with your eyes open when you drive, okay? That's a little pastoral wisdom. If you had not picked up on that, it will also help your insurance rates as well. But yeah. Or maybe it's that hour that God is just leading you to spend in the morning with him and some coffee on your, on your back porch or your deck. Where you just, or maybe that prayer closet that he's calling you to, where he wants to let the Holy Spirit come and teach you how to pray. Not with eloquent words, but with words from your heart. It's about confidence and commitment that when we go and when we do have those opportunities, whether it's with a finance uh, person at a used car lot or whether it is with a, someone we know and love or someone that we work with or a neighbor, that we go and we say, can I pray for you right now? And we say, come Holy Spirit. And we know that it's not about our goodness or our righteousness. It's about God. It's about his kingdom. It's about his power. And it's always for his glory. To the one who is king of kings and to the one who is Lord of lords, to the one who has taken the power of this broken, dark, evil world and he has defeated it with the power of the cross. To the one who, who sees the very perverted forms of glory that our world aspires to. The one who has defeated all of those forms with the glory, the pure and holy glory of the cross to him. His is the kingdom, his and his alone. His is the power. His is the glory forever and ever. And as we uh, conclude this message series, I invite you to stand with me and we want to pray this together. The Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples then to pray. And he continues to invite us to pray today. 
Would you join me in, in letting this be a prayer from your hearts as we reflect over all that we've talked about and all that we've shared and all that we have uh, just experienced over the last several weeks and what we today, with a huge exclamation point, the doxology of praise that we end this series with today on this Easter Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can you say that with me, that last line, that last doxology with me one more time? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for letting us in on your relationship with the Father, for inviting us to experience him just as you did when you were here on earth. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you that one of the things that you do is you love to help us to know how to pray and to know what to pray for. Holy Spirit, I pray that for each of us, no matter what our relationship with you looks like, that you will just continue to lead all of us into a closer relationship with you. From those who've not yet accepted you as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives, Lord, I thank you that, that, you, that you welcome them, that you have outstretched arms for them to come and to talk to you from their hearts. And Lord, for those of us who have been followers of Jesus for a long time, I thank you that you welcome us and there's more that you want us to experience, more of your kingdom, more of your power, more of your glory. Come Holy Spirit, come and empower this time of, of worship and adoration to you, our risen Savior, our risen Lord, our coming King. We love you and we thank you and we celebrate your goodness and the fullness of your love. Come and be exalted in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.